0: Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up
1: my soul unto thee, O Lord.
2: Today we honor our seniors. So thank you for being here to be part of our service today. We come together to worship the Lord. Uh, let's begin our service together, our time together in prayer. Our Father, thank you for all the many blessings that you bestow upon us every day. And Father, today, as we honor our seniors, we pray that you will be with this group of young people as they graduate from high school. That you will Guide their lives, that you will keep them faithful to you. Be with us and help us to be the right example. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: morning. As per usual for our song service this morning, I've asked the seniors to give me a song request, so uh, the songs that we'll be singing this morning has been requested by by them. Uh, So y'all can just know that as we worship this morning. First song will be Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. this morning will be amazing grace.
0: Weeks. Dear loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we're so very thankful, Father, for this morning that you've blessed us with, the beautiful sunshine, Father, for the ability and the opportunity to worship you, Father. We pray that our worship service this morning is pleasing to you, giving you all the glory and all the praise, Father we're also very thankful father for that amazing grace that you've given us through your precious son through your willingness to send him father and his willingness to to die for us we are eternally grateful father this morning we lift up these seen these graduating seniors to you we pray that you would bless them with the wisdom and knowledge to make the decisions that would help them to live a life of service to you father we pray that In each decision they make, they would put you first and look to you for guidance and for wisdom. We pray, Father, for this congregation here at Boonville. We pray that we may grow not only in number but also in spirit, Father. Please be with the elders as they make the decisions and shepherd the flock. Please be with all the deacons and the ministers who are serving the flock, and especially, Father, serving you. We pray, Father, knowing that we fall short of what you deserve. We pray, Father, that you would please forgive us of all those shortcomings. We love you so very much, Father. And again, we say thankful, we're so thankful for your precious Son. In his name we do humbly pray. Amen. The
3: invitation song after the lesson will be nothing but the blood. And now, if you'll all stand together, we'll sing the greatest commands.
2: Good morning. morning.
4: This morning's lesson text scripture reading uh, before Brother Ken's lesson is going to be taken from Philippians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. Beginning here with the 9th verse. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the righteousness or the fruit of the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God.
5: Thank you, Jonathan. Well, I kind of want to have you guys walk down that aisle again. Because of all that jingling and jangling that they do, which is indicative of a lot of hardware from high school. We have representatives here from the best in athletics and scholarship, and isn't it just, isn't it a joy to know that our congregation has produced such wonderful young people Yes, Ken, it is! It's amazing! Thank you for that endorsement. This text that was read for us here is actually a prayer. It's one of several prayers that are recorded for us in the Scriptures. And today, I want us to appropriate that text for this occasion. Now, here's a little bit of a disclaimer. We tend to tout this as our senior Sunday. And I understand what that means because we have them right here on a row, all seven of them. But the first day of the week is the day when we honor and we glorify God. We come here to worship Him. That, that is our express purpose in this gathering. But I also know that Christianity is not something that is just in a bubble, something that we do in this building and then we're released from it as we walk through those doors. Yes, this is an occasion when we're gathering together to worship God, but at the same time, we are in effect preparing ourselves through that worship for what we face when we go through those doors. So it seems altogether proper to me that while we do honor and worship God, that as a process of the application of that to our regular daily lives, we look at these young people here. Because many of you have been a part of the process of developing these young people. And just as Paul in this text was praying for the Philippian brethren, so I'm gonna guess that many of you at one time or another have been praying for these young people. In fact, you guys turn around for a second, look back there at those people behind you. I know it's terrifying, but look, I do it, so you can do it. Raise your hand if you've ever prayed for any of these young people. Look at that. There are a lot of people invested in you. And that investment I'm sure is gonna have great dividends. But as we gather here today, we're reminded that all of us together, the the thing that's most important to us is our relationship with God and our love of Jesus and his sacrifice for us. And so today I I wanna meld those together I want to use this appropriated text to let these young people know exactly what it is that we're praying for on their behalf. Before we start that, let's pray to God together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of this day, for the occasion of worship. And Father, I pray that you will bless us as we are focusing intently with sincere hearts on lifting you up, of glorifying your Son. And Lord, in the midst of all of this is the application of our Christianity. How that we as a body have done the best that we could in our circumstances to raise up this generation of young people here. And Father, we, we anticipate great things out of them, but we pray for their growth, and we pray, Lord, that as we study today, that we will understand what it means to hope and pray for their growth in love and maturity, sincerity and righteousness. And Lord, not only that we pray it and that we do so very genuinely but that these young people will know that that's our prayer and that they will aspire for these things themselves. And I pray, Father, that as they're making decisions about their future, that all of that will be inclusive of you and their lives and that their lives from this point forward will reflect their great love of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Just imagine the Apostle Paul praying on your behalf. And I love how this whole scenario of good tidings begins. In fact, if you go back to verses 3 and 4, Paul says, "I, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy it it just filled him with joy and good thoughts to be offering them up in prayer and again i I think about our young people and i know whether it's in a very public way or some private gathering that we're all concerned about them and their future and i want you seven to know that when we pray when we think about you We thank God for you. We thank God for you that not only have you been impactful to us and seeing you grow up and the things you've learned and the applications you've already made, but we're hopeful for what is going to be the future. And in that same tone or that same line of thinking, Paul then continues the idea by not leaving things to guessing, He actually lays out for them, beginning at verse 9, exactly what it is that he was going to pray. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. You know, the Apostle Paul was big about prayer. I think about his circumstances and challenges that he faced as he was carrying the gospel out into the whole world. And, you know, he made this great plea in the book of Ephesians, chapter six, about putting on that panoply of God, put that armor on. And then, in addition to all of that work of application of the word of God and preparing oneself for going out into the world. At verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray, pray, pray. Well, when we stop to pray, what kind of things do we think are important? Many times when we pray, maybe it's at the dinner table, we're thankful for the food that we're about to eat or we're thankful for family or there might have been something in the day that happened that just kind of sticks in our mind and we approach God with that. But in the bigger picture, what are the things that you're really hopeful for? And specifically today, as, as a body, many of you already acknowledge you've been praying for these young people. You've been praying prayers that have led to this moment. They are graduating from high school. They are moving into another phase of their lives. This is, this is a big moment. Some of them will go off to college. Some probably will just go ahead and begin a trade. Others maybe go into the military. I mean, this, this is a big moment in time. What do I pray for now? Now, what is my hope for these young people? In appropriating the text, I want us to be praying the very things that he was praying in regard to the future relative to the church in Philippi. That they would continue growing in love and maturity, that... They would grow in their sincerity and in righteousness. Our prayer as a congregation, we are praying for you. We are praying that you will grow in love. That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That it may abound, that literally means to overflow, a perpetual flood we want your love, not, 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 just, not just to stay right where it is, because we're just thinking, you know, as we have, we've encouraged and brought you along, you're, you're right there now. We, just, we like the kind of young people you've turned out to be, but as you are going on into the future, we're praying that not only will you have a bucket full, but that it will be overflowing the rim, that you will continue growing in love, and it will always be just a perpetual flood. It will never run out. What a blessing that would be. Oh, I think about the love of God and how how we are attached to Him and what we would do in order to stay in that relationship with Him. In First John chapter 5 and verse 3, for this is the love of God that you keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. In other words, if, if I'm going to demonstrate my love for God, it isn't just saying the words, but it is it is the application of the things he has commanded me i'm demonstrating my love for him by just willingly acting on what i know to be right in his sight and and when i see it that way it's not like these are restrictive things these are things that are easy for us to do they are not a burden And then when I think in this relationship of what God is putting forth, I'm even that much more encouraged to overflow. James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. Here's something about God. That what God is intentional about And His involvement in my life, it isn't like He's just going to turn the spigot on one day and then it's going to be gone the next. As we are in this relationship, He for me and I for Him, there's a continuation of the blessedness that comes in that relationship with the Lord. And then of course, as that love is overflowing, not only is it directed to God, but it builds better relationships with other people. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, finally, be of one mind toward one another. Now, that idea is of unity, of oneness, of being together, of having this relationship that's sustained. Have compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, a blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Look, I have an intention, right? I'm in love with the Lord and I'm serving Him. But then in response to that, God is showering those blessings that again I attribute to Him. And then my cup is overflowing, so I extend that love to others. But let's make sure that that love exists, right? It's genuine. It's not just the words that we speak. Or or even just, you know, not just going through the actions of a thing that are loving, but being certain that genuine love is attached to those actions. And what I mean by that is a statement that's made out of what's considered to be the greatest treatise on love that's ever been written. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, he says, Though I speak as the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. In other words, I can be involved in all the actions of love But if genuine love is not coupled with that, he says that that is a worthless endeavor. Now, if I'm keeping love flowing and that that love is growing in me and and it's a perpetual flood, then that means that genuine love is always going to flow. That's going to result in these great relationships that I have with God. And it's going to result in great relationships with others. That That is what I aspire to. But now notice this interesting little caveat in our text. That that growing love is coupled with two important things, that is, knowledge and all discernment. Now, as regards knowledge, I, I just I just have to carry from statements like you find in 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 4 and verse 9, where I know that you know, they're called a brotherly love. He says. You know, actually concerning brotherly love, there's no need that I should write to you for you yourselves know and have been taught by God to love one another. God had taught them the, re- the relationship that they had with God had spelled out for them exactly what love entails. And of course, you know, from first John chapter four, verse 19, that we love him because he first loved us. My knowledge My understanding of love is derived from the relationship that I have with God. But he says it's also coupled not just with knowledge, but discernment. You've probably heard this before. Ephesians 4 and verse 15. To speak that truth, to speak the truth in love. So... I receive from God the truth, I receive from God the commandments, I act on those, but also in my interaction with others, I'm going to be certain that as I deal with them, it it is all motivated by love. So as we pray for these young people, as they're beginning a new phase of their lives, one thing that we're praying, we're hopeful for, is that they are going to grow in love. But we're also praying that they're going to grow in maturity. That you may approve the things that are excellent. Uh, The idea of the approval of of the good things, the right things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. It has to do with our determination of what's right and what's wrong. The importance of making those determinations. He says to test all things. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every appearance or form of evil. You test it, you make a determination on the basis of that test, what's right and what's wrong. What's right you hang on to, what's wrong you let go of. It's phrased... Well, actually in the reverse, but it's the same type of statement in Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. To abhor what is evil and to cling to what is good, to, to shudder from the evil. It just makes us sick. But then to turn and to be glued to what is good, to be glued to what is right. Don't let it go. Grasp it and hold on to it. But how, how do I make that determination? You know, how do, how do I know what's right and what is wrong? We had a study some months ago, a lengthy study out of one chapter of the Bible, Psalm 119. And deep into that text, at verse 105, the scripture says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path god 's Word is what will provide the insight, the means by which I can make a determination of what is right and what is wrong, or Hebrews chapter five and uh, uh, Isaiah chapter five and verse twenty. So I have the Word of God, and i'm I'm living it out, but I have to make determinations about the Word of God, and so I know the challenges that we're all facing, right well. You, as an experienced person, you're facing the world's changes right now from a base of knowledge. We have some young people that are beginning their lives, and they're going to have to make some strong determinations on the basis of what they already know, but with with the help of others. And I'm going to tell you that this is a time, I want to say it's a time like no other, but the fact is that this time is influenced by evil just as it always has been. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Back in Isaiah's time, he was witnessing this... This misunderstanding about what is right and what is wrong. It's like the, the price tags of life have been all changed and scrambled around. And who knows, who knows what is right? Well, he says it is the attitude of that heart and woe to those who haven't grasped the truth yet. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14, he says that strong food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's possible for us, having been instructed in the word of God, having held on to those teachings and commandments and the truth of God, to go on in maturity, to to grow and to be able to make those determinations concerning what is right and what is wrong. So we begin in our infancy, right? And then we add to the faith that we have. In fact, we add to that faith such that, well, we're making a life that goes all the way to heaven someday. In Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you'll neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things... You'll never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we we begin at a base level of faith, but the intention is that we're going to continue to mature, continue to grow as long as we live until the very end. So our prayer, yes, is that our young people are going to grow in love both for God and for others, and that they are going to grow in maturity. They're going to be able to discern between what's right and what is wrong in a very difficult time in this particular generation. And then we're going to be praying that you grow in sincerity. And when I was thinking about this text, he says that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So it is a lifetime of sincerity. What do you mean sincerity? Well, oh, I'm talking about genuineness. I'm talking about being real when we came into this building here. I hope that our intention with regard to worship was to do just that, to be real with God, to be genuine in our approach to Him. And really, this this be a great... Great time to just stop and assess, is is that what we've been focusing on up until this point? Have we dedicated our minds and our hearts to the worship of God? If not, then we've fallen short in terms of our sincerity. But as regards just, just worship, there's a text of Scripture, actually a whole section, from verse one to 18 of Matthew chapter six, right there in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about kingdom of God and matters relative to those who are going to be a part of that kingdom. And he uses what is probably a startling kind of illustration, because he uses the example of three worshipful settings, and then he describes the hypocrisy that was in those settings. Again, we, we draw our minds back to what we saw in First Corinthians 13 about the genuineness of our love. And the same is true about our sincerity. Are we, are we involved in this? Is our heart in it or not? As regards worship, the three occasions were, well, you had some people who offered up alms, a charitable giving. There were some who were involved in prayers. Others were involved in fasting. All of these were top-level, top-notch expressions of worship toward God, things that everybody could identify with, either by their own practice or watching the practice of others. And Jesus says, as pertains what others are doing that you see. He said if a person stands at the corner of uh, the street or in the synagogue and he is offering up those things, but he is doing so to be seen by men, he says they have their reward. In other words, they're not receiving recognition from God, which, by the way, that's what worship was supposed to be for. They're not making their contact with God. By just the demonstration of it, with just the attitude, I want to impress others, he says, you've actually already received your reward. You know that pat on the back, that acknowledgement from people? And let me tell you something, that that acknowledgement from a human is very fickle. It will come and go. What we ought to be striving for is, well, that word, sincerity. Sincerity of heart. Sincerity of our dedication to the Lord. Being certain that what we are giving is absolutely genuine. When Jesus talked about worship in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24... He said the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. In fact, in, in Matthew fifteen, eight and 9, he said, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Again, genuineness in our approach to God, sincerity. But at the same time, you know, I know I'm, I'm going to leave this building, and then as I expressed in the beginning, I, my Christianity is, is going to have to meet with my everyday life, right? And I think about these young people. What are you going to do after your graduation, right? One of the most terrifying questions of life what now? Many of them already have some plans about what they're going to do, or while they may not be able to fill in the blank exactly what I intend to be when I finish all this education, the idea is I'm, I'm moving on. I, I have things in, in tow. I know that I'm going to be doing something beyond this graduation. And whatever it is that you do, be certain that what you do is coupled with aligned with the will the will of God in fact one of the one of the big mistakes that we can make is to try and make our plans for the next week the next month the next year and so forth without God in James chapter 4 beginning at verse 13 James says come now you who say today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make profit whereas You do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time, then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. When it comes to our relationship with God, we approach Him in sincerity. When it comes to our planning for the future, let's be certain that we keep God at the forefront of those decisions. In that case, whatever it is that you choose to do, if you do it with God, it will be a success. And then finally, as a congregation, not only are we going to be praying for them to grow in love and maturity and sincerity, but this text says that we need to be involved with continuing to grow in righteousness, Being filled, he says, with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I want to praise and glorify God. How can I do that? Well, I can do that through the production or the taking in of these fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. My relationship with Jesus is going to result in good things out of me, which is going to result in the glorification of God in the end. Again, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that in some different words that you will recognize. Matthew chapter five, beginning at verse 13. He said, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah, we are are aspiring to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. We're aspiring to live lives that are reflective of Jesus in our life to the glory of God, but that's going to be manifested in your day-to-day life. That's going to result in people watching you And being affected by you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's, That's our life. Our prayer is that you'll have begun well and continue to grow in that. The only way that's going to happen is continuing in the word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and following, he says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, as a congregation of people, we are bound together in the work of that we're trying to do here in Boonville. And as a result of that, we make influences on our children. And now we have a batch of seven who have graduated high school or are moving on to another part of their lives. A lot of questions still hang out there about what to do, where they're going to go. But one thing that we can do for them is pray. We can pray that they will continue growing in love and maturity and sincerity and in righteousness. All of that with a goal of heaven someday. Maybe, maybe you're a child of God today and you look at the hope and the prospect that these young people have and you think back to when you were where they are. How's that gone? Have you been growing in all these areas Maybe it's been a difficult way for you. We have to ask ourselves continually whether or not we're making the progress that we had hoped. And if not, let's use that as a means of projecting forward. If there are things that are amiss, we need to make them right now so that we'll not waste any time in the future. We can, as they are doing, begin afresh and think about growing toward the future. Maybe there's something that's a stumbling block with you right now. If you'd like us to pray with you and encourage you, uh, we'll do that. We'll take whatever time is necessary. Maybe you're not a child of God. Today also affords you a day to start fresh, to put sin behind you. Today, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you can repent of sin. You can confess that faith and be buried in water. Have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus you'll rise up out of that water, that burial, a new creature with all the same hopes and aspirations for a future with God. Maybe there's something else we can pray about. If that's true, again, we'll take whatever time's necessary. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning for any reason, now's your opportunity to do it. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand together and sing? What can wash away my
4: Supper emblem, we've got ushers in the back that will bring it to you, just raise your hand. As we prepare our hearts and minds to protect the Lord's Supper, we're going to read Matthew chapter 26 beginning in verse 26 and as they were eating jesus took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for the for many for the remission of sins And later on that night in the garden of Gethsemane, if we continue on in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And it is our Father in heaven's will this morning and every week that we come together at this time and remember what Jesus did for us. Bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this bread which represents Christ's body. Our prayer this morning, God, is that we partake of this bread in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we also thank you for this cup, which represents Christ's blood. We pray this morning that we partake of it in a manner that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. On the screen, there's listed many ways in which you can give. At this time, let's go to God in prayer for all the many blessings he's blessed us with. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the material blessings you provide each of us. God, we're so thankful, and we know that everything we have has been given to us by you. We thank you for the abilities that you've given us, and we just pray that we give back to you what is yours. Please forgive us where we failed you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are glad you've chosen to stop by. We invite you to come back at any time you can. Uh, just a reminder, we'll be back this evening at 5 o'clock for Sunday evening services and again Wednesday at 7 o'clock for a midweek Bible study. Uh, morning services this morning, we had 140, 1030 service, we had 220, so you do the math on that. We're going to reach that 400 mark before long, hopefully. Maybe we can do that. Uh, there are several announcements in the bulletin, an extensive prayer list in there. Be sure you're mindful of that, but to add to that... Adrian Edge is at home, and I'm sure cards, calls, or visits, he would appreciate that. Also, Nikki Evans is having heart surgery in the morning, so we ask that you keep those two families in your prayers. In just a minute, I'm going to lead us in our closing prayer, and after that, if you would, remain seated. for Stay with us just a moment so we can recognize those seniors that are here with us today. Bow with me, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for another opportunity we've had to come and worship you with song and praise. Father, we thank you for the many wonderful blessings in life that you've bestowed and given up to each and every one of us. Father, we ask you to be with these young seniors here today, and not only just today, not only just the week, but the rest of their lives and help every decision that they make is one that will be pleasing unto you as they go throughout their lives. Father, we thank you for the elders of this church, for their guidance, and for their protection, and and for the shoulder to lean on, we also thank you for Brother Ken, Father, and his willingness to dedicate his life to serving you. Father, most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. that We might have forgiveness of for our sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen.
3: Thank y'all for coming today to recognize these seniors. Um, at this time, our our elders are going to present them with their Bible. We've had these, we've had their names put on these Bibles, and I'll actually say a little bit about the Bible, these Bibles, not the Bible in general. Um, this is I got what was called the Holman Christian Standard version. Uh, that might not be very familiar to some of you. I know some of you have talked with you and. Usually, people I talk with really like this version. It's very easy to read for just reading. And um, it, it doesn't sacrifice the, the translation as, as well. And it's also got photographs of, like, modern-day photographs of the Holy Lands. And it kind of coincides with what you're reading about in there. So I thought that was kind of cool. So that's why they're so big and bulky. Uh, but at this time, we're going to present those to this year's seniors. So. If you will, when I call your name, just walk across and receive your Bible, and then y'all can line up right here. Jackson Cobb, Wheeler High School. Sam English, Boonville High School. Mary Houston Ivy, Boomble High School. Ben Mooney, Boomble High School. Ashton Farr, Thrasher High School. John Mark Taylor, Wheeler High School, Brody White, Bimville High School. Y'all join me in congratulating the seniors. Um, if you weren't able to go to the reception earlier, they still, they have their table set up down there. If y'all want to mosey down around the annex and kind of look at their, their setups they have there, it's kind of neat. Um, and if you want to greet them as well, you can do that. But otherwise, at this time, we're dismissed.